Got it. Here we go with the John Curley, Sherry Elliker Show. And you come along with the ride, the Muggleshoe Casino Resort text line at one 973 All are welcome. So head into the uh, next hour. It is a, um, it's a, it's a combination of what it is. It's, it's, it's news and it's entertainment. Smoosh together, just like this guy recognizes. You got him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he does. Y'all ready for some news? You ready for some news, Tame Cherry? I'm ready for some news, Tame <laughs> All right. Thank you, Hee Haw Aaron. Appreciate that. All right. Um, Stephen Colbert basically has just decided I'm not going to do comedy. I'm just going to do politics. I'll just get these people on and they'll blast away at Trump. Blah, 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 blah. So he gets Elizabeth Warren on. Elizabeth Warren. Is this cringy? Super cringy? Kind of cringy. I I wouldn't say super cringy. I would say it is moderately cringy. All right. It's it's lovely to have you on. It must be big doings down in Washington oh, for Elizabeth doings. Warren to be on here to explain yeah. things to us. But before before we get into to anything else, we talk about um, Taylor Swift won big at the Grammys last night. Yeah. Okay. Was that phase one? Okay. Here's the way it works, everybody. The people that handle Elizabeth Warren say, by the way, ask her about Taylor Swift because she's going to do this thing about Taylor Swift. So on the little card that Stephen Colbert has written down, he's going to set up the thing about her. And this gives Elizabeth Warren an opportunity. Of the Democrats' deep state plan for the Chiefs. You bet. (laughs) You bet. And all I can say to Donald Trump is, haters gotta hate, 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 hate. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, it wasn't Whatever. That, yeah. that bad. The Gateway Pundit called her the most shriekingly annoying figure in American politics this side of Hillary Clinton. She was a Republican, then she became a Democrat. She was a Native American, then she was white, and then she was a Native American, then she was white again. She is just a mess. She's She's a bully. She's worse. She's like Donald Trump, but in an ugly pantsuit. But the thing is, is she's just a little better about being a bully. Uh, Donald Trump is as well, but she's more just, you know, just a nasty woman. So out, out she goes. And um, Stephen Colbert has her on. So she can sing us. God. That was a good review. Thank you. Donald Trump on his own um, social media page has decided he is going to save Bud Light. And you're like, oh, look at this. It's because a lot of people have come over to Bud Light, right? Dana White, um, MMA, all Bud Light. They got the new comedian on there. They got all these celebrities on there pushing Bud Light. Bud Light's going to have a whole bunch of money they're going to be spending um, this Sunday. It's a big game. Are we allowed to say it? I'm so... We can say it. You can say yeah. Super Bowl. It's You're fine. Brian, Brian has beat the hell out of me on that. Just can't say it in a contest. Oh, in a contest. Okay. Okay. So, um, do we have Donald talking about this? Does he talk about this at all? I I just saw the post. Oh, What's he say on the post, Sherry? Uh, Donald Trump calls... um, Hang on, let me find it. Okay, well, take your time. Okay, a few more hours. Okay. Okay, here's what he said. All right. Um, his comments ahead of a fundraiser organized by a major Republican lobbyist. It says Anheuser-Busch spends $700 million a year with our great, in capital letters, 
Farmers employs 65,000 Americans, of which 1,500 are veterans, Mm -hmm. and is the founding corporate partner of Folds of Honor, which provides scholarships for families of fallen servicemen and women. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to say, as I scroll down the page, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they've raised over $30 million and given 44,000 scholarships. And Anheuser-Busch is a great American brand that perhaps deserves a check, a second chance. Yes. Yeah. Here's why that's out there. Trump's message arrives just bo- just days before Jeff Miller, the top Republican lobbyist for Anheuser-Busch, announced that he will be hosting a fundraiser for the former president next month, Anheuser-Busch paid Miller's firm 260000 in 2023, according to a lobbying disclosure form in Politico. Trump needs this money. By the way, if you want to go, tickets are for sale anywhere between 1000 and $10,000. So it's Bud Light putting on a fundraiser for Donald Trump. So Donald Trump sends out on Rumble that, you know, he wants you to participate in this thing. So here's why. He is hurting. I mean, they spent... They spent $43 million uh, defending Trump with all mm-hmm. these lawsuits. He is running out of cash. Since... And he owes 83 from that lawsuit that he spent 50 on, right? Yes, you sound pretty broken up about it. Thank you. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so the, the, he needs money. I think um, as far as spending is concerned, they, have, they might have four to one, four dollars every one that the Republican Party has. So they better get some money in place. So that's why... Bud Light is going to give the money. Trump's going to bring the people in. You pay a thousand to ten thousand dollars to go to one of these fundraisers. You get a picture with the president. If you pay ten thousand dollars, and you go into a different room, the VIP re- room and stuff, and then everybody else is, you know, ball, you know, hanging around drinking Bud Light in the other room, trying to resurrect Bud Light. Bud Light really pushing a big thing, trying to recapture. They lost like forty some percent of their market share. They're really way down. They've lost a whole bunch. They laid off a bunch of people. A friend of mine that sells beer throughout Kittitas County said, "Oh yeah, just." It devastated our Bud Light sales. So Bud Light was buying back the product, practically giving the stuff away, trying to crawl, crawl, claw back um, whatever market share they had lost. So they hope that this big push during the Super Bowl is going to bring some of that money back. But um, so Trump telling you about how great the company is it's because, well, he's going to get a little bit of money along the way. Mm-hmm. Um Imagine we replaced the name Biden with Trump. And if you were to hear the Trump and Trump's people called Amazon and said to Amazon, hey, I see a bunch of books that are on there talking, fill in the blank, whatever the right uh, is protesting against. We want you to take that stuff down. Amazon sends an email back and forth like, hey, we're getting pressure from the Trump White House to take these books out. What do you think we should do? Amazon people start to go, well, if we took them all off online, if people search, they would quickly realize that we took them these, we took all these books down and these books sort of represent, you know, um, the stuff happening on the left, they would take the left stuff out. So we, if we did that, that would be really bad for us. Then at that point, they get another email from the White House. Imagine Trump White House. Get here to the White House. We want to talk to you. The Amazon people hop on a plane and fly to Washington, D.C. Imagine again, they walk into the Trump White House and the Trump people say, hey, listen, do something about those books or there's going to be some big problems. So then they go back and then they start to stop the books from being sold quietly without putting a giant ban on it. Imagine if it were Trump. Of course, everybody would all be up in arms that, oh, my God, he's in there. He's trying to book bans and book burns and all this other stuff. Well, not just replace because this is the truth. The Biden administration, that's exactly what they did. They sent a letter to Amazon. We don't like any of these books talking about vaccines, vaccine hesitance. We don't like these books talking about COVID. We don't like these books that are possibly saying 
something other than what we want people to say. So do something about it. So Amazon does go to the White House, gets more pressure, and then they cave to it. And they did something to stop those books from being sold by either, you know, um, shadowing them a little bit, not promoting them at all, did what they could to satisfy the White House so that you would not be able to buy a book. It's different from social media. Social media is about opinions and stuff. This is a marketplace. This is a free market exchange between the consumer and Amazon. But in this case, they get the Biden administration to tell them, stop selling those books. In effect, like a book ban. Now, that's the story. This thing came out a couple of days ago. There are all the emails. You can see it all out there. Jim Jordan has the information on it. And this, again, we always talk about this guy being Trump's a horrible authoritarian and he's a dictator. What is that? What is that when Biden's people do to tell Amazon, don't let anybody buy those books? He's got the exact same thing. Well, Amazon didn't really respond by getting rid of all the books nope. what they did was they they were concerned because they didn't know does that mean take them out do whatever so they they didn't know about it um and here's what they said the team public relations feels very strongly that it's too visible and yeah. will further compound the harry sally narrative right which is getting the fox news treatment today apparently and won't fix the problem long term because of the behavior of the customer behavior associations so the harry sally narrative is that when amazon had a book out there called when Harry became Sally. Right, they took it down. They took they it away. Took it you down, couldn't buy and it. People yes. were upset about it. So, yes. uh, and all of this from the White House was under the category of misinformation. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, this is this is going to hurt the public. Right. This is going to be problematic, and, and all of that. So, right. um, yeah, I mean, they got invited to the White House. They said Amazon strategized how to respond to a negative story that BuzzFeed would publish. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said they were feeling pressure from the White House task force to um, to do something for vaccine misinformation. Right. So here yeah. you have the federal government saying to a corporation, don't sell those books. Don't have those things available. We want you to really do is ban them. But they realized they weren't defending the freedom of speech. Amazon wasn't. They just didn't want to get more crap from people after they had taken when uh, Harry Becomes Sally or whatever the name of the book was. People got upset about that. So, you know, again, whenever you throw around the word dictator, authoritarian, stuff like that, just think about what happened when they stopped social media from expressing stories, when they shadow banned people, when they uh, blocked people, when all that social media did that because the White House told them to do that. Just keep that in mind. If you like the free exchange of ideas, just think about who did it, who was caught doing it, as they'd found in the court in Missouri. Federal Way gun dealers got to pay $3 million, Sherry. A gun store in Federal Way has 30 days to pay a $3 million fine after it was caught illegally selling high-capacity magazines. According to Attorney General Bob Ferguson, Federal Way discount guns and its owner continued to sell high-capacity magazines after the state's prohibition on their sale. The law was put into effect in July of 2022 to help combat mass shootings. Ferguson says the store sold over 3,600 magazines from then until December of 2022 when his office first sued them. Mm-hmm. This thing is passed in um, California right now. A judge has had a stay on it. They think it is constitutionally protected to be able to have the magazines. This guy right here from the, uh, by the way, people are like, yeah, well, you know, the, the founding fathers didn't expect you, you know, you could get a single shot off. They never thought any gun would possibly be able to shoot, you know, more than one round at a time. 
It's like, oh, really? Okay, you know what? Better learn a little something about guns. And we'll hear that, hear that from Doug Wickland, Sherry, from the Firearm Museum. What I'm holding is a Cookson Volitional Repeater, a most unusual flintlock, a 12-shot repeater. This was in a day when a single-shot muzzleloader was basically all you had. To have a breech-loading 12-shot, something that could fire a dozen rounds before needing to... Oh, high capacity! ...to be topped up with powder and ball was an unusual gun. Mm -hmm. The Cookson Volitional Repeater has a loading port on the yep. left-hand side of the receiver yep. that when you turn the crank... Doug, I'm cutting to the it. end of you And here. indeed, he fired three shots. Oh, oh wait, wait, wait. This is the best part. Ready? So the point is, yeah, the Founding Fathers already knew that guns could actually fire more than one round. The first gun that could shoot multiple rounds that was built like in 1545 or something like that. So these people that argue, you know, the Founding Fathers never expected to have a machine gun. You could buy a Gatlin gun right now if you want a Gatlin gun. You can buy it online for $4,000. So the guy that invented this gun decided he went out to demonstrate, Sherry, that it's waterproof. For storm, to oh. demonstrate it's waterproof operation. He goes out in a thunderstorm to demonstrate it's waterproof. And indeed, he fired three shots. But after the third shot, he was struck by lightning and killed. So perhaps not even the best of technology can help you in that wah, kind of wah. a situation. <laughs> but history is here in the National Firearms Museum. There you go. Maybe they should just start calling them repeaters. Instead of high capacity things or whatever, maybe just call them the new gu of these guns repeaters. So Ferguson, who's running for for governor, by the way, I don't know if you know that or not. So he sues the company, sues the store for three million dollars. The, the guy that owned the store sold the store to the son. The son's got the thing out. I don't know if they're going to come up with three million dollars. They've started a GoFundMe campaign. What they're hoping for is the Supreme Court hears this case. The Ninth Circuit has uh, stated. Uh, and it it will eventually move forward. And the idea is what they're hoping for is the same thing they found in Washington, D.C., in New York City, that you, this is an infringement upon your right to have a gun. So and 10 rounds is arbitrary. He, um, I talked to a little kid named Corey who explains um, how you can get around it. Not that I'm encouraging this, but gave him the magazine, explained to him it's not it's only allowed to hold 10 rounds. So here we go. Uh, if I got a gun like that, well, I would see what they did with the magazine. Can I see the magazine? So it looks like they put a pop rivet in there. So what I would do is I would just pull that out with maybe a screwdriver. And then uh, without that in there, I could put um, 10 to, no, I could put like 15 to 20 rounds back in. So all I would need to do is just take the rivet out. That was put in place, and that way I could have the magazine uh, be uh, have full capacity. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so we need a nine millimeter gun, right? A nine millimeter Glock, fifteen to seventeen rounds. What they do is they the they have the mag, and they put a little piece in there, a little piece of metal that stops you to put from putting five to seventeen rounds in. Because if not basically the gun would be inoperable so as demonstrated there just pop that out now you've got a uh, high uh, capacity according to um, Bob Ferguson but that's how people figure out ways to get around it Colorado figured out a way they said oh we won't sell you the magazine we'll sell you the kit you can put it together yourself that's how they got around that one hmm. Washington said "Ooh, that's the problem they made in California let's make this thing foolproof so they don't do the kit thing but they give you that and you can just pop that rivet out and you've got yourself high capacity. 
I wonder what they're going to do. That's a lot of money. Um, I guess they're probably just going to wait and wait and wait. And hopefully the Supreme Court hears it. Maybe they get the money and give the money back when uh, Bob Ferguson loses on that one, like he's lost on other cases as well. Running for governor, by the way. All right. I will, Sherry, right after I take my car to Bucky's Bucky's Auto Service Centers with 16 locations. Been around for 53 years. Might I add, Bucky's. Bucky's Auto Service Centers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bucky's. Hmm, what? Hmm, hmm. Did you <laughs> want to say something? Were, well, I wasn't sure if you were going to no, done. Said, no, I'm finished. Oh, okay, because I was trying to interrupt you, so ah. you yell at me. Ah! I don't do that anymore. Oh. You caught on to me, Sherry. Uh, the president of Mexico. This is going to be a shocker. There's some shocking stinger ready to go on this. You ready? Investigation of the president of Mexico has found that he has close ties to a drug cartel. What? What? And is not doing what he can to stop Fennov from coming into Mexico. Shocking. Yeah. 100,000 Americans have died of fentanyl. And people go, well, you know, those drug addicts, they, you know, they're playing Russian roulette and they're on the streets and they stink and they're homeless. And, but I've got a friend of mine named Peter whose kid went to a party, like your kid would go to a party with a bunch of other kids. And somebody said, here, take this. I don't know what they told him it was going to be. Oxy or something like that, right? Probably Oxy. Probably. Probably they, Oxy. They fake them. They fake it up, right? You know what happens to the guy? Half hour later, he's dead. Mm. He's a high school kid. So when you hear a hundred, imagine, imagine, because we did this big thing about, you know, oh, you know, well, save, we'll do everything can be to save one life. A hundred thousand. If another country came into this country and killed a hundred thousand Americans, and the number goes up every single day. You would think this would be like a big, big deal. Now, we've heard some of the Republicans say, well, we would go in there. I think it was DeSantis or other. We would start strategically bombing places in Mexico. Probably not the best idea. You can't trust the president of Mexico. As the news came out last Thursday, the guy is as corrupt as corrupt could be, getting Mm -hmm. money. The three cartels that run everything in Mexico, they go to China. China produces the drugs, the fentanyl, ships it over, and then it's all uh, pressed and packaged in Mexico. And then we slip it across this thing we used to have called a border. And they bring it in, and 100,000 Americans will die. Another 100,000 Americans will die as well. So this just keeps happening. And you can't stop it because China said, oh, yeah, we'll do. they're not going to do anything about it because there's big, 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 big money in this. Big money. And they love to be able to smuggle fentanyl in these little pills in because it's really small. Much harder than smuggling in marijuana. Much harder than smuggling in cocaine because the capacity... And the ease of carrying thousands of these drugs, which are getting you 10 bucks, they're called blues, you're buying for 10 bucks or something on the street, depending on what it is. You are taking something and you don't know what's in there. And what they normally do is they mix in with the cocaine, a little fentanyl to strengthen some of the cocaine to give a little bit more zip or something like that. But it's not regulated at all. This drug dealer, uh, I don't know, he had spent time in some different prisons and things some horrible prisons they were talking to him and he's explaining the whole so this guy has made a life out of selling illegal drugs he's on time for it and stuff he's in this documentary that i saw his name is peter he's talking about the war on drugs in my opinion the government 
can't win the war on drugs and they're fully aware that they can't win the war on drugs and if you talk to a lot of high-ranking police they will definitely tell you that the war on drugs is unwinnable and in my personal opinion the only way that the war on the the war on drugs will be won is in is to legalize all drugs manufacture them under license and strict control and then tax them heavily in order to offset the detrimental cost to society. Really, the, the key element in this is the financial gain of criminals. If you can take out the financial gain from the whole equation, then there's no incentive for criminals to traffic drugs. Mm. When they asked him, where didn't you sell drugs? He didn't sell drugs in Iran, China, Saudi Arabia, North Korea, Vietnam... Um, Taipei, he names all the places that you don't sell drugs. Do you know why you don't sell drugs there, Sherry? Because you'll get executed. That's right. Yeah. So those are the places they don't sell them. Let's see, why don't they sell them? Oh, that's right. They don't want to get killed, so they don't sell them there. You sell them where you can sell them, and no one's going to do anything to you, like in the United States. So he's saying you got to get the money out of it. you got to legalize it. He says you're throwing away all this money towards all this border control stuff. So I, I, don't, I don't think that throwing more and more money at, at border force and, and, and trying to control it and, and say eradication of crops. I mean, they've tried eradicating crops and that only had a detrimental effect on the people on the ground because it destroyed other crops as well and, and led to disease and illness and contaminated water. It's huge business, it being kept illegal because it actually creates more employment and more monetary gain overall for law enforcement, for prisons, for the judiciary, for healthcare, for, for these drug companies making drugs that help with treatments. So he sees it as this gigantic you know, machine just just cranking through all of this money that they don't really want to solve the problem. So just this guy, Peter, <clears throat> this former drug dealer, international drug dealer, tax it and then take that money that you got on the tax and use that towards the social ills that will be created by this problem. So that is his idea. People hate it, but some libertarians have been advocating for this thing for a long time because – Again, it's very simple. If you can control it, then you wouldn't have the fentanyl coming in that's possibly able to kill somebody. So how many more people need to die? And there are well, people that I know, other than my buddy Peter, there's lots of people you can talk to that find out, what, where, oh, his son died of an overdose. And when you find out, they not some person living on the street who people don't have a lot of sympathy for, but like just, again, just a guy who just took this pill thinking, oh, it's it's oxy and dead so 300,000 Americans would that do it what at what point but there's too much money in this there's too much money everyone there's way too much money to allow this stuff to keep coming in just talk to the president of Mexico I'm sure he's got a very nice house that he gets from the cartel plus he also knows you turn on the cartel you'd be dead your family would be dead you'd be taken out of power these countries are so corrupt because there's so much money in it. He said, if you took the money away, they'd all go away from it and find something else. He demonstrated how they take cocaine, they liquefy it, then they press it into plastic sheets and make tents out of it. So then all you do is you pay somebody 10 to 20,000 pounds, he said, 
to carry tents, like a, a regular tent that you'd use if you're going to go camping, into the country. And in the tent, then they are able to then extract the cocaine out of the plastic tent. And I don't know how many pounds they end up with. But he goes, that, yeah, that's how we would sneak it in. And then they find different ways to sneak the stuff in. Liquefy it, put it in molasses, then suck it back out. Every single thing that they can possibly do to sneak the drugs in, because as long as there's a supply and there's money, they're going to keep this thing going. And we just spend billions and billions and billions of dollars. And every single day, another, what, 500, 600 people die, 6,000 people die right in the streets of Seattle everywhere because the drugs are, quote unquote, illegal. But if you legalize them, you still can't control them. That's the thing. I've always said this. It doesn't matter if they're legal, if they're not free. The reason there's always going to be a black market is because somebody can undercut the government. Right. This stuff would continue going. It it wouldn't matter. Who's the last time you bought homemade vodka? Why, Why don't you go out in the black market and buy whiskey? Well, I think that's a little bit different. Why is there no black market on alcohol? Because there was when Prohibition went in place and people would drink it and go blind or die. But once you sell it legally, and as long as you keep the delta between the price of producing and the price of selling it, as long as that's tight, there's no Mm -hmm. market to get in there so that the black market goes away. The reason in the state of Washington you could still go and buy marijuana from some guy named Doug and a pair of corduroys when it's 100 degrees out is because he knows he can undercut the state of Washington because the state of Washington throws like a 45 or 48 cents on every dollar tax on the marijuana. They don't really want to get rid of the black market. They just want to make money off of the people that don't want to go to the guy named Doug and a pair of corduroys in the summer. So they, you go and legally buy it down the street. They'll take the money, but the state of Washington is really great rid of the black market because the black market slides right underneath. And you just buy it from somebody and you save the money and you probably get better stuff. But if you kept it tight and you didn't have that place in between where the fr- the black market could come in, you would eliminate it entirely. There's no one to take the risk. Why spend all that mo- Why spend all that time liquefying cocaine into plastic sheets when, you know, you, somebody go down the street and buy it? Well, and if you think the overdose rate is high now... If it's legal, there's nothing keeping somebody from going into a store. I really want to try this or this or this or this. Again, it's the ignorance of it. You know, somebody that's dumb enough to buy an unknown drug, uh, they don't know where it came from or what it is. You don't think they're going to go into a shop? It's it's basically giving them permission to try anything they want. But, but Sherry, what kills the person, the unknowing individual, is taking the drug that they think is something other than fentanyl or a tiny... and. It is the amount of fentanyl that kills them because it's unregulated. If it's controlled, you can still die from drinking way too much vodka. People do it all the time. But again, you don't have the risk that the bottle of vodka is going to make you go blind. No, Nobody wants to do fentanyl. Nobody no, wants Nobody. To. They want to do heroin or they want to do oxycodone, but they can't get that because fentanyl is cheaper and that's what's available. All right. There you go. You got that, Sherry? I got it. All right. We're bringing around to the libertarian point of view on this. Uh oh, Sherry. It's a pickleball scandal. Mm hmm. It's a cautionary tale. For you new 
Chick pickle, chickle, chickle. Careful, ball. careful. <laughs> That's a different sport. That's Rodney um, Rocket Grubbs on the right. On. Rodney Rocket. The Indiana resident is a big name in the pickleball world. Some saying he should be in that sport's Hall of Fame. Yeah, I'm like, no kidding. That's who that is. Everybody knows who that is. Just look at him, Sherry. You know who that oh, is? Oh yeah. You know That's that is Randy Rocket. That's Rodney Rocket. Rodney. Oh. Grubbs on the right. The Indiana resident is a big name in the pickleball world. Some saying he should be in that sport's Hall of Fame. Darn right. Not too long ago, one of his good friends was Jennifer Butler, who loves to tear up the courts around the Bay Area. Oh, they call her the Butt. Butler. <laughs> Jennifer Butt. We trusted Rodney Grubbs 100%. And why wouldn't you? The guy's a legend. He should be in the Hall of Fame. The Rocket? Get out of here. Ugh. That's the end of the story, Sherry. No, it's I play not. pickleball sometimes. I, <laughs> he was a very trusting friend. Grubbs is accused of using that trust to convince friends to invest in his pickleball apparel and equipment company. Indiana court filings allege Grubbs offered several investors, quote, an ever-recurrent one last available slot to invest $25,000 at a time, promising a 12% return after 18 months. Uh. Butler, who invested $90,000, is one of several Florida residents and one of dozens more across the country country who thought the offer was too good to pass up and how sure were you that you would get a return on that ninety thousand dollars absolutely sure so he was a good friend and that's what hurts sometimes even more than the money is the fact that you can't trust a friend that you thought you could we're told this Facebook post from another Florida resident is what started a chain reaction of concern. Uh-oh. Butler says the suspicion grew when investors like her asked for their money. When you ask for the money back, you hear not a peep. He says nothing. He doesn't answer you. Grubbs has not answered our questions yet either. We are looking for your side of this uh, story, the case that's going to court. He's due in federal bankruptcy court in Indianapolis on Wednesday, where investors will try to force him into Chapter 7. Grubbs is representing himself. And in his answer to the involuntary bankruptcy case, he asked the court to let him stay in business under Chapter 11, uh-huh. insisting with a good management team, Pickleball Rocks can and will continue to grow. Yeah. Butler just wants her money back, and so no, do many other investors. No, not going to get it back. Some of them gave their whole life savings to him, and how devastating is that? Okay, I'm Pickleball Ponzi. Yeah, Sherry, mm. this is really this is going to be like Pete Rose getting into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> this is really going to. You don't think the Rockets are going to be a dark cloud? I'm this sure guy's the, never going to get uh, out the of the pickleball community is uh, devastated. I'm so sorry. We tried to get them on the phone. They're not. They're not able to talk about it. <clears throat>